<laughs> You're a clinical psychologist. <laughs> Who are you? I don't know. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed. I know. All right. Hello, my name is Dr. Fabrice Robert Lubin, and I am a clinical psychologist. And I am Rachel Wagoner, and I am a clinical therapist. Welcome to Mindful Chatter. This is a place where we keep it real, keep it relevant, catching up with one another, and most importantly, catching up with you. Ooh, that was beautiful. <laughs> I feel like we're a little rusty. We haven't been back in a few weeks. I know. We need to like shake off the cobwebs. The excitement of being in this space though is always palpable. It is super exciting, but we're also talking about a little bit of a tougher topic today. So I feel a little hmm, excited, but also heavy, but also, you know, glad to be back. Oh, completely. There's a sense of exposed, I think, as looking back at our last episode, and I really, really was emboldened by some of the comments and feedback that we got from that last episode regarding us going more into territories of how we can connect people together, how we look at things like love and how it can speak to kind of bigger structures that need to change in our world. I love love. Love love. <laughs> that was really fun to that do. That was the, yeah, tautological was, was the word of the day. Has, yeah. By the way, has anybody used that word? That's like my first question to our audience. Did yeah. anyone have get you, a chance? Have you busted out tautological somewhere? Let I us know. Did. Let us know if you did, because I would really Drop like it that. like it's tautological. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a father, people, first and foremost. But I think what you're going into is that, you know, even in that episode, we really did get into, you know, we're trying to send out love and we're trying to send out positive energy and positive vibes, even in a state of the world that maybe we don't necessarily agree with. Um, and I think that brings us to what we want to talk about today, which is feelings of being overwhelmed, not just with the status of the world, but also it kind of in our everyday lives. Completely. I, once again, you know, coming into this topic, I think the reason why we're preempting this is because Rachel and I represent a profession that is about supporting people, advocating for ideas, advocating for creativity, advocating for process, advocating for the human condition in which we all suffer. And also acceptance. And acceptance. And therefore, in the wake of the tragedy that is Charlottesville, and in the wake of the tragedy that has been our country for a long time, it's incredibly hard to talk about these topics without sounding pandactic as if we're coming across, you know, like we know everything or people should listen to us because we have the right way of looking at things. Right. And it's important to say that that's not where Rachel and I are coming from. If I say that we fight for anything as therapists, I think it's that we should be fighting for people to be most themselves in any way possible, shape or form. Mm -hmm. With Without reducing the self of another. Without reducing the self of another. And I think that that's a huge part of what we're wanting to discuss today is the feelings of not only that we're feeling overwhelmed with, but also, you know, individuals that are coming in to see us and how unsafe they're feeling because of what has been happening. Um, I mean, the Air and Water Show is this weekend. 
right? So I have been reading the news pretty, again, I'll put boundaries around it, but I read it every day, a small snippet to see kind of what's going on. Literally, this airplane kind of goes over, like this loud airplane goes over my office. And I was like, oh shit, this is it. Because all the things that are going on in North Korea. And I know there's been recent discussions that are happening where luckily, you know, where um, everyone's coming together and trying to have more of a productive conversation versus just threatening one another. So that's positive, but it's still like not a great time to be having these types of shows because it, it is this scary possibility that might happen. And I know that I'm feeling some feelings of overwhelmed with that, especially. I know that you had an incident with that topic today. Right. I was at Volumes Bookstore located at 1442 Morse <laughs> And I was uh, perusing books while Alan was trying to order a book online. Actually, it's Krista Tippett's um, Becoming Wise, which is an amazing book. I just want to throw a shout out to that book. It's an amazing book. Please read it. And while he was doing that, I was just checking out some books, had my coffee next to me. And it was so strange. I had this thought. I was thinking to myself, what if I spilled my coffee on these books? I should put it in a safe location. Mm. And so as, as I was moving to put it into a safer spot, mm-hmm. I spilled my coffee all over these books. Oh, no. So I met with this moment of just outright panic. Do I run? Do I run? Can I just subtly walk away from the situation and just get away with it? Or do I turn myself in? Well, I turned myself in, people. Mm. And I went over to the volumes, bookstore, register, helper, person, whatever, and, you know, presented six copies of two books, uh, two different books. So in total, six were ruined by my coffee spilling incident. Bummer. Total bummer. But... Part of it is walking away from that. I, Alan and I were walking out of the store and I was saying that over the last couple of days, actually, that was the third thing that like I've spilled or broke. Mm-hmm. Um, I broke a painting yesterday. Oh, no. uh, I broke a jar yesterday and then I spilled this cup of coffee. And one might say that, okay, these are isolated incidents. They have nothing to do with each other. But I think it's a reflection of the presence of mind that I'm at. And with everything that's been going on this week, I can really observe in my headspace that there's this real sensation of being unsettled. Yeah. Very, very largely by whether it's the events that are happening right now in terms of the president's response to Charlottesville mm. or even the response to North Korea or even response to an article I was reading that was saying that we have totally and utterly not dealt with climate change. Oh my gosh. To a point that it's probably past the point of saving a lot of things that we can salvage a lot and we can maybe maintain some of like the way that things are now we can preserve yeah. some things but a lot will be lost so i just i just feel this in my soul rachel just this i know tension. I, and it's so interesting i feel i'm i'm really interested in climate change and i find i try to do my best to reduce my carbon footprint i recently became vegetarian i recycle and people when i say i recycle it's so interesting a lot of times i'll get this response of like oh well, I don't recycle. And I'm like, okay, great. Even like my roommates, 
when we first moved in, I was like, okay, well, we need to start recycling. And they're like, I mean, I guess. And now I'm the one that takes out the recycling 99% of the time. Cause I'm like, I'm happy to do it. If you separate the recycling, I will take out the recycling is the only type of segregation that I approve of. The only type, the only type, but even, I remember even presenting this opportunity um, you know, at work or previous jobs before. And they're like, well, it costs money to get a recycling bin. And I'm like, okay. It also costs a lot of money and a lot of lives, such as polar bear lives. If we don't start to recycle and we don't be weary of our carbon emission and all of this stuff that's happening. You know what I mean? I mean, we've got scooters. We scoot around town. Like that's saving a ton of gas and all of that. So I don't know. It's frustrating because I feel like some people are just like, oh, whatever, this isn't going to affect me. Maybe it'll affect my grandchildren's grandchildren. I think that that's in what you're saying, I think is people's natural reaction to being overwhelmed. Even when we're talking about this topic of Charlottesville and getting into the murky, bloody, violent history of slavery, you immediately see individuals, their eyes just kind of glazing over because they don't want to touch this information. It's too much for them to handle. So the next response is to find ways to shut it down and escape. And avoid it. And avoid it. Well, there was, I was at um, visiting my parents and when this happened and there was a newspaper on the table and my dad like looks at it, reads it and he like kind of pushes it towards me and there was this very, very, I don't even know the word, gory picture, I guess of literally people getting run over and two men in particular were up in the air, like falling down from being run into by this car. And I just looked at it and all of a sudden, like my stomach sank and my heart just like stopped. It felt like I was like, I don't know what to do with this information. And I I wanted to immediately be like, no, I like flipped over the paper and I was like, I don't know what I'm looking at. I had no idea what I was looking at. Thank you so much for sharing that, Rachel, because I think for a lot of the people that are listening to us right now, I think that that probably is synonymous with a lot of our reactions, that some of our shutting down is not coming from a place of negativity. It's coming from a place of escape because some of this information is simply too much for us to digest. It it feels like or is perceived that way in one sitting. It's so scary. For me, I happened to be at a lake house in Indiana visiting with a close friend of mine. And we were isolated from any sort of cell phone or Wi-Fi. So it wasn't until we were driving back to Chicago that all of a sudden my phone kind of re-picks up the New York Times. And then it posts this like headline of this thing that happened in Virginia. And seeing the images and... In today's world, there's such a photorealism to all of the pictures that we take. And so you can see the anguish, you can see the the sense of tension and knowing that the people that they're photographing don't look any different than the people that surround me every day in Chicago. So there's this incredible sense of empathy and closeness that suddenly is there. And I just... It wasn't even that I was angry. It wasn't even that I was shocked or surprised. I think I felt a sense of paralysis. Yeah. It's so hard to 
to read about these things and to hear about them. And in my mind, I then the next day I read this really one or saw this really lovely um, post about this guy who ended up pushing his girlfriend out of the way or his fiance out of the way to like protect her. And it's it's so interesting, even in moments of terror and hate and all of that, there are people that are standing up to try to protect their rights, protect other people's lives in these moments. And I think that that is just, it's wonderful to see, but it's it breaks my heart that we even have to be in a situation where we have to protect other people's lives from someone plowing into a crowd I think the the piece there that you're describing too is that when we are overwhelmed, when we do find ourselves in that moment of paralysis, one of the things that we do is we begin to focus kind of on the negative, right? What we can't do. And those, how dare these people fuck these people. Right. Know? And and we fall into this this kind of tension and it constricts our movement. Yeah. If you think about the story that you just related, it's about understanding what we value in a given moment and choosing that value above anything else, above some of the feelings, mm -hmm. which reminds me of a little bit of a term that we use in psychology a lot. And for any like psych nerds, they'll know this, which is a term called learned helplessness. Yeah. And so learned helplessness, and you know, if I'm saying anything wrong, Rachel, please help me. Learned helplessness was actually a experiment that came about. The term got coined from an experiment that was done, I believe on a dog that was put on some sort of an electric mat, which would send these kind of tiny bits of electric shock to the dog, which now you probably couldn't even do a, an experiment like that. But, <laughs> so this poor dog is yeah. exposed to a bunch of uh, electricity on this mat. And what they observed, scientists and researchers observed is that with time, the dog stopped trying to jump away from the mat. Eventually the dog just lied down and just started to absorb each and every shock, which then from there, they kind of realized that human beings, when we're exposed to, when human, when animals are exposed to a great amount of stress, our t first is, yeah, fight or flight, we're gonna try right. to do this. But after a while, after it's sustained, they just kind of lay down. Well, that goes to that numbing effect that happens a lot of times when we have something happen over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Sometimes the only way to protect ourselves if we've tried fight or flight is to freeze. You know, that, that, that freeze moment, in a lot of cases in therapy, I can hear people define for me what they don't want to be. You'll sit with a couple and they'll tell you, I, I don't want to fight with her. You'll sit with an individual and they'll say, I don't want to be depressed. Mm -hmm. You'll sit with a person that's struggling with addiction. I don't want to use anymore. What I've started to challenge within myself and others is, okay, fine. You've told me what you don't want. Now tell me what you do want. Yeah. And sometimes it's a lot harder to describe and to pinpoint so I think that when we're looking at these times in our lives when learned helplessness, when that sense of freezing comes, just saying, I don't want the electric shock. I don't want this news to hit me. I don't want to deal with this president. I don't want to deal with this thing. Yeah. Well, what do I want? What right. is important to me? What do I find valuable right. in this given moment right here, right now? 
because that then focuses more on what we can do because we can't change unfortunately right now we can't change the president we can't change that these terrible things are happening what we can do is we can be a part of those protests and we can stick up for the rights and we can give money to Planned Parenthood and, and to maybe other organizations that we believe in. And I think that, you know, and, and with depression or feeling overwhelmed, it's a feeling. We can't just change it, but we can implement things to help feel a little better towards walking towards our values and, and getting a little bit closer to that. One of the things I notice for myself is at times at work, at, there was a moment where I was trying to see as many people as I could. So at some point I was hitting sometimes 30 to 35 people a week, which... I feel like you're close to that now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> which as which as a therapist is quite a lot of people lot to of see, people. right? So it was beginning to overwhelm me. And I could see it in terms of my follow through, in terms of other people. By the time I was hitting that last person... I just knew that I wasn't present. I wasn't fully there. I wasn't mm -hmm. always engaging on all cylinders. So at times, I think that we move into this space where we say, if I can't make a change that's going to 100% alter this thing, mm -hmm. then I guess there's nothing I can nothing. do. Nothing. So it's this very black and white. All or nothing thinking. All or nothing thinking. Mm -hmm. And we forget that there's these little micro tiny things that we could alter to alleviate some of that tension immediately. Bingo. Absolutely. So we have this bigger goal or value of wanting to get healthy, right? Right. So maybe, <laughs> yes, I don't want to feel exhaustion yeah. at the end of my day. Right. So then what do I want to feel? Well, I want to at least be able to come home and feel like I have enough energy to interact with my daughter mm -hmm. or to spend time with my mm -hmm. partner. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that if I'm seeing that many people in a day, I'm going to put in an hour break. And during that hour break, I'm going to make sure that I put in a walk with Rachel mm -hmm. or I'm going to go to the gym or I'm going to go call my brother because right. I want to add in, I want to add in something that brings me a sense of joy and elation and connection. And takes you away from the overwhelming thing that you're engaging in. So you're not during the hour and I never do this. If I have an hour break, I have an hour break. I don't answer emails. I don't answer phone calls from my boss. I don't care. I'm very clear. That's my boundary. I'm on a break. I'm not available right now. So yeah, so I can engage in conversations with you. I let our, our walks are something that like refuels me and allows me to then go into my next half of the day, my next half of the sessions and be like, all right, I'm re-energized. Let's do this. What you got for me? You know? Of course. One of the, the things I find myself doing, even in small ways, if I notice I had like a 30 minute break and I'm not that tired, I'll put on music and I'll dance in the office by myself. Just, I love that. Just anything to kind of elevate my heart rate, anything to bring in like another sense of energy into the space. Now I feel a little hurt that you haven't invited me to, to my your like kind of in solo office dance in office parties. dance parties. <laughs> you're invited. Yes. Consider this your official invitation. We everyone else, if you're listening to this on your lunch break, your half hour lunch break, you are Welcome to join us in a dance party. I know. Stay tuned for my live radio where I will be DJing just kind of work <laughs> office lonely jams. I would actually love that, but so one of the one of the things that we're talking about is that I'm not greatly altering the context of my job. I'm not greatly altering even the context of how much I'm working. I'm just choosing to find what are the tiniest things that I can do to be in contact with the things that I value. Mm -hmm. Even in this moment that seems like everything else 
is crashing. Mm. Similar to this guy who decides in this moment that he needs to protect a human life. He made that decision yep. above all else. Yes. He, he didn't want to be in that space. He didn't want that thing to happen, mm -mm. but he chose what he valued and he made those types of decisions from that place. Yep. It's not to change the entire context of what occurred, but he saved a human life. Mm -hmm. So even in the macro level, even in the micro level, I'm sorry, for those who are listening right now, it's really important to think, maybe you can't change everything about a given situation, but find the tiniest thing that you can add mm -hmm. that would bring in the sense of value or the sense of things that you like in your life. Yep. You know, kind of continuing with that topic of where are moments that we, of what we can do, what can we immediately change, especially when we feel overwhelmed by mm -hmm. something. I had a mother that came in recently and she's currently pregnant and she described this situation where she's saying, you know, I, I want to keep up with the news and yet I find that it stresses me out so much. Yeah. How do I balance that and still kind of be present to the world, but also be present for the baby that I'm growing inside. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be like showing my baby all of this kind of stress hormones all the time because sure. of, and she actually came up with this really ingenious solution. Mm -hmm. And I love it because it's so creative. It's so tangible. So she said that she's gonna start asking her husband to read the news to her so that this way at least, if she's getting the news, it's gonna come from someone that she loves. And then I challenge her to say, okay, not only must your husband read the news, why doesn't he integrate parts of the news that are also showing people being in a form of help, showing in a form of being strong, showing in a form of actually moving towards values. So having your husband kind of like say, okay, so yes, given this like crazy ass situation where everything flipped out, here's this really, really bright part too sure. that occurred. And I think that the idea of this woman like being able to say, you know, I don't really care about this anchorman on CNN. I don't want to hear it from, you know, that person, I'd rather hear the news from someone I love. I would love if they created their own like set of a newscast and he, her husband actually just sat behind the desk in like an outfit and gave the news that way. I think that would be hilarious. But no, I hear what you're saying where you're trying to balance out a little bit more the good and the bad. And I think that can be very positive. Um, I think it's also important in terms of social media and news intake to put boundaries around it. I believe we've talked about this before. I got rid of Facebook over probably two years ago now. And, and people you're still all the time. Alive? I'm still alive. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. I know. How did I know. you how did you do that? It's crazy. I literally just went in and I hit delete account and then I never looked back. And it was incredible. I detached. It was amazing. Did you do an announcement? Did you do No. <gasps> I know. What did people think happened to they you? They had no idea because then they would forget to invite me to parties. I mean, that's what the downside, but then I'm like, okay, well, if you love me enough and I'm enough of your life, you'll invite me to the party, just text me. And if you don't, then screw you. Just kidding. But, <laughs> but really, I mean, honestly, it was causing more stress other than like the tasty videos where they show the really yummy things being like made and the funny like animal videos. Those were the only things I really enjoyed. But I didn't love all of the posts, all the nasty, hateful posts, all the posts about the terrible things going on in the world. And instead, I put a boundary around it. And we talked about this in the internet episode where 
I'll get the skim and that's kind of where I get my news usually. If I hear something that happened and I want to read about it, I'll typically take the time kind of like how my dad was like, here, read this. And I was like, I'm not quite, that was shocking. I'm not quite ready for that. But I did go back later because I want to educate myself about these things. But sometimes like I have someone who constantly checks and checks and checks and will literally throughout her entire day check the news to see what's happening in the world and it's caused her a ton of stress it's caused her to not be able to engage as much with work with relationships she's begun to isolate herself because she's scared of all of the things that are happening so we we've had to put a boundary on okay you're only allowed to look at the news twice a day for a half hour because i know if i said twice a day and didn't put an, a time frame on it she'd spend three hours on it and she'd be like well you only said twice a day and I'm doing it for three hours you know so I think it can be very helpful to put those boundaries or to create your own type of I don't know input as how you get the news like if you have a partner that you could, could read it to you and would give you one not so great news story but then a second one about a really great news story about how a dog saved a pig in the river or something you know what i mean that little pig was so beautiful <laughs> um i think that that can be really helpful for balancing things out definitely i i completely want to take some of even what you're saying too and point out that Facebook, there's a there's an article that was recently saying that Facebook targets emotionality in people and uses it for advertising. What? So what you have, what you have is Facebook can predict how people are feeling based upon the some of the articles that they're sending, what pictures you're looking at, what and they post, what they post, right? So now you have this kind of predictive element mixed with advertising. So there you are checking through Facebook and you see pictures of your ex boyfriend looking happy which is a little bit bringing you down, right? Mm -hmm. And then right after that post says, hey, check out these great Louis Vuitton. Don't you want those? You could be happy too, driving this Tesla. So you can see that- Your ex-boyfriend will be so jealous of you. Exactly. In that Tesla. <laughs> so you can see that there's, there's these use of emotionality or even when you're feeling overwhelmed. So imagine Facebook is tailoring all of these news articles to you because it has all of this information about you. So then you're feeling overwhelmed. And then when you're in a state of being overwhelmed and you're in that learned helplessness phase, you're going to do the most immediate thing that you can do. Mm -hmm. Spend money. Yep. Act on your impulse. <sighs> not think about your values. Not think about what's important to you. That makes me so frustrated. I don't think that's the right word, but I'll come up with what it is. Well, don't be overwhelmed. <laughs> what? Don't tell me how to feel. That's first true. Of all. all right, I'm not going to tell you how That's to hurtful. feel. I don't want to tell you how to feel. I'm never going to tell Rachel how to well, feel. Well, don't tell anybody how to feel, but we can get into that another time. So, as you're feeling overwhelmed, mm -hmm. I also would say we can still begin to imagine what are ways that we can add in the things into our lives that would be good, that are helpful for us, and that are helpful for us. You come in to sit with me. So, hi, hi everybody, hi world. Everyone, this, this is Alan, our producer. We're gonna start a new little segment called Alan's <laughs> Corners, where we have someone who's not a therapist, who's not, you know, all of that, to so, come and join us. Um, 
I'm very excited about this new segment. And it, this is really because of what they were talking about today. And I, I just I just loved everything they were going through. But something that Rachel had said specifically, talking about, about um, past relationships and Facebook and social media and your relationship with those kind of people. I just want to say for all the listeners out there, do not keep ambivalent relationships and people in your life. If you have to hang out with somebody and you have to wonder, is this going to be fun? Am I having fun right now? Just cut them out completely. Just don't spend too much time thinking about people who kind of keep you up in the air in terms of your your value to yourself or your value to them. It's just not worth that mental space. Every given day, I, I do believe that you have a certain amount of mental energy per day. And maybe Fabrice, maybe you can touch on, on this as well and maybe add to this, but I feel like within that mental space that you have each day, use it wisely. Do not spend it overwhelming your, yourself with people that don't show you the attention that you deserve and the love that you deserve. Completely. A human life is incredible. There's so much energy and so much stuff that can be built from human lives. This entire country was built upon the backs of millions of individuals. Mm -hmm. And notice how we've created this incredible experiment and opportunity. And yet, and yet we've tried to reduce ourselves to consumerism. We try to reduce ourselves to kind of like what Alan was kind of saying, this ambivalent state. Yeah. And we're not moving in with this sense of intention of what we can do with our lives and what we can do when we band together and we create more opportunities and once again love expands yeah and i i really love what alan was saying like why focus on something that's no longer serving us that isn't actually adding things to our lives but instead is taking away from them whether it's people whether it's news articles whether it's whatever it's fine to stay educated it's fine to keep friends even if they're you know acquaintances but if they're the ones that are draining after you've already had an overwhelming and draining day, that's probably not the right relationship to connect with in that moment. So that was our lovely producer, Alan. Um, again, I can just reiterate everything he was saying. You know, he, we really do appreciate any listens and heading over to his page and checking him out. We, um, Fabrice and I, definitely appreciate that he has been on this journey with us and given us the thumbprint that is Mindful Chatter. So, um, yeah, thanks again, Alan. We appreciate you. So we do have a website. It is mindfulchatter.org. Head over there, check it out. Um, check what's going on. At the bottom of the page, you can submit any inquiries, any things you would like us to chat about. You can also send those over to mindfulchatterpodcast at gmail.com. So we are still up on SoundCloud. I know that SoundCloud is having some struggles right now, and I wish them all the best. But we are still there at soundcloud.com slash mindfulchat. We're on Twitter at mindfulchat, and we are also up on iTunes as mindfulchatter. This has been Mindful Chatter. We'll see you next time. Bye.